gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast on a Victory Monday. They are all Victory Mondays, all off-season long with the Pewter Report podcast. And today we are discussing uh, a very fun topic, one of our uh, most enjoyable times of the year, Scott, when we do our Bucks battle plans for the off-season. And yes. we write and talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' whole off-season from our perspective individually. You first, Mondays. Uh, article on the Buck Battle Plan for the offseason and have some very interesting thoughts in there, which we'll discuss today on the show. But there's something that Pewterport's been doing for a long time. Fans are always looking forward to it. It's not very much fun to go back and look at what we've done in the past, especially when you consider how wrong my first one was last year anyway. Uh, but they're fun to do at, at the time, and I think fans really seem to enjoy them too. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it's it's our way of getting to to play Madden a little bit with the franchise uh, in a, in a virtual right. sense, not really in a video game sense, but but um, you know there really aren't many rules other than just be somewhat realistic. Um, mm. uh, you know, if if you want to switch out Tom Brady for Deshaun Watson and pull off that trade, I mean, you're welcome to. Uh, it's not necessarily what we think the Bucks will do. Although, what I try to do is I try to. To play Jason Light, I try to keep mine as realistic right. as possible, but there, there really aren't any rules. So some members of our staff take some more freedoms than, than others. Uh, I try to keep it as as close to the best as possible and what I think the Bucks will do, but then also a couple of my suggestions, especially in the draft, of what they should do. So it's certainly a fun exercise. It's something we do right before free agency starts. And, John, it's a great way to, to kick off this week on PeterReport.com. We're going to have – five Peter Report podcasts this week. Um, you and I will be on today, obviously talking about mine. Mark yep. Cook will, will be on tomorrow to talk about his uh, Bucks battle plan for the 2021 offseason. You have yours that we can discuss on Wednesday. Then we're going to have Matt Matera on on Thursday and then a special Friday episode as Bucks free agency gets ready to kick off next week. Wow. We'll be knee deep in it. Exactly. It's four o'clock right now. Free agency, the, the tampering period starts this time next Monday. So we'll have yeah. Taylor, the Grizz Jenkins on Friday to talk about his Bucks battle plan and get you all set and squared away for the start of NFL free agency next week. Right. And we'll be talking Bucks news all week, too. So every podcast, anything that happens right now, the deadline for Chris Godwin still 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So we've still got that deadline in place. It could get pushed back. There's lots to look forward to this week on the podcast. And it's all brought to you by our friends over at John, I'm sitting here shaking an empty can of orange. You know what that means? I've already had my Celsius. For already the day. did. So you're ready for the show? Is what you're saying? I'm ready for the show. Absolutely. This is this is exciting times here on the Peter Report podcast. As free agency kicks off next week, as we talked about. But right now, we're going to talk to you about Celsius, which has got no sugar and no preservatives. John, that's what makes this special. You get to crush one of these and get that that instant rush of energy and no crash later in your day. So it's a great way to uh, to power through a Monday. 
uh, or any day of the week, really, before you work out, during your workout, during your work day. And the best part about it is, is, is you can click on those awesome Celsius banner ads on PeterReport.com. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save lots of money. If you don't know where the, the closest Celsius location is around you that sells them by the can, convenience stores, grocery stores, et cetera, you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address, and find the location nearest you. Yep. It's pretty good stuff. Got the jackfruit going today. I thought I grabbed a creamsicle the other day. Apparently, I grabbed a jackfruit. <laughs> it's all deadly, so love it all. Oh, so. Good. So no knock there. Okay, so before we jump into your battle plan, Scott, the the whispers have happened all weekend about Tom Brady, right? Like right. we just want to talk about it a little bit in the Bucks situation. Uh, nothing set in stone. Clearly, the Bucks are moving towards some type of an extension with Tom Brady. How long is that extension going to be? What's his cap going to be this year? How much room does it clear? That stuff we're all not sure about. But what we are sure about is they're moving toward that end, right? Getting an extension done with Tom Brady, and it feels like just a matter of time, right, Scott? Right. No. Th yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that's going to be the first domino to to fall. Now, uh, the Buccaneers have extended uh, some some tenders to their exclusive rights free agent Pat O'Connor, Zach Triner, the long snapper, Jeremiah Ledbetter, uh, Tanner Hudson. Those four players essentially um, are are going to be uh, re-signing with the Buccaneers. I don't think, and I'm going to write this a in a little bit here. I, I don't believe, based upon you know my best educated guess, if you will, will be that Aaron Stinney, who's the, the Bucks lone restricted free agent, uh, will not be getting a RFA tender. The reason for that is because it's over $2 million. And yeah. right now, this is this is going to be a tough market for a lot of free agents out there. There's just not a lot of teams with, with much cap room. Uh, really, about half of the league is going to be sitting out free agency this year. Yeah. It, that's just a, a fact. It, it is yeah. it's a bad time unless you're one of the upper echelon guys that teams will froth over to be a free agent. It's, it's just it's it's an awful year. The salary cap, John, this is important. Let me explain this real quick. The salary cap, it's not just going from 198 million right. down to either 180 or 185 million, which would be a a decrease of say between 13 to 18 million, right? It's not even that. These NFL teams and their capologists have been trained conditioned if you will by the mm -hmm. salary cap which which has gone up about 10 million dollars each year and so um nobody two years ago thought that that this year's cap would would decrease they would they would expect it increase from 198 to 208 okay so it's not even the decrease of, of 13 to 18 million, it's actually a decrease in these capologists' minds of 23 to 28 million dollars because right. they've already pushed money into 2021 from a couple years ago, anticipating the rise of the salary cap. COVID hits out of nowhere, nobody planned for it except for Mike yep. Greenberg, even though he didn't plan for it. It just right. he he does a great job of managing the cap, right? Right. Not to get the bucks in desperate times like you see in New Orleans and other places. So uh, the Buccaneers, they're feeling a cap crunch, not nearly as bad as the Saints, but a lot of teams, John, are, are really literally going to be sitting on the sidelines this year, not being able to sign. Their, they, might, they might sign some of their own free agents, mm -hmm. but they still got to save money for their draft picks. So yeah, it, it's, sure. it's going to be tough. So Aaron Stinney, I don't think, uh, is necessarily worth $2 million. He did a great job filling in for Alex Kappa. But I think they let him test free agency, and then they try to sign him to maybe half of that, maybe around a million dollars. 
Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, I think the situation with Aaron Stinney, but also players in that vein, like you said, that's going to be where this offseason is going to get really weird is like those players that are looking for the low-end deals or maybe looking for a slight bump, yeah. somebody like in a Brashad Perryman situation from last year, you know, if, where he was looking for a little bit of a bump, got like $6 million, yeah. didn't work out, he's back on the market, okay. You know, it, we knew he knows his tag is going to be lower – uh, this off season, but it's the players like that who are who are like, oh, I did I did decent, you know what I mean? I might be able to look like even a Ross Cockrell, for example, it could be one that like, yeah, you know, I might be able to, you know, he was having a hard time finding a spot, and the Bucks pick right. him up, and now, you know, he might be a guy that in a normal year would get a, a decent little contract, you know, to finish right. out his career. Not yeah. not sure it's going to happen this off season. So you know, the OBJ rumors, let's just, I know, I feel like I already put him to get to bet on the show, but it's yeah. just not happening. It wasn't even. Yeah. Bleacher Report blew it up into something that it wasn't. Schefter just said Tom Brady might want OBJ, but it's not going to happen, basically. And sure. like they took the might want OBJ, took the might out, said wants right. OBJ, and then made a headline out of it. And that's what you do in the offseason when you're one of those news places, you know, yeah. one of those uh, big names. But yeah, it's he, he was saying hypothetically that could be true that Brady wants OBJ, not sure. reporting Brady wants OBJ. Bucks need to right. go get him. Like, no, OBJ is not coming to Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Brady didn't want him. Compared to the other guys, they are. So yeah, it's a ridiculous report. Scott Federico is in Cancun, and he came out of the pool from Cancun to listen to the podcast. That's cool. Clutch move by Scott. <laughs> it's clutch move. All right, let's get to this Bucks battle plan, Scott. We've uh, okay. I, some things fascinated me about the battle plan, but before we even get there, let me just ask you: You're approaching this, like you said, like Jason Light. What was your philosophy coming in? You know, Jason Light may say, "Oh, this is this is what I want from this off season. This is right. what I consider a victory." Uh, what's your consider a victory going into the offseason? It's really it's re-signing most of, of the players that got you to that Super Bowl. I mean, the objective each year is to build a Super Bowl caliber roster. The Bucks actually did that last year. So why not try to keep most of this team uh, intact? Now, I wasn't able to bring everybody back, nor did I want to bring everybody back. So here's what I did in terms of of these the free agent moves. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went ahead and I I re-signed Shaq Barrett, Levante, David, and Dominica okay. Sue, Rob Gronkowski, Ryan Sucka, Blaine Gabbard, a couple of other of, of the, the free agents. Those are the main guys. Uh, I also franchised Chris Godwin. We talked about that last week, John. It's important to note that when it comes to Chris Godwin, they actually save money if his market value really is 19 to $20 million. And that franchise tag amount is around $16 million. Well, 20 minus 16 is $4 million, so they actually save $4 million by doing it that way. If they were to use the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett, that tag number is going to be over $18 million. That's about what his market value is. It's around $18, $19, 20000000 million. They're not going to save as much. So it's just from a pure cap savings perspective, it makes sense to do it with Godwin. And then uh, I went ahead and paid Shaq an average of $18 million. I paid Levante an average of $16 million. Uh, only two years are guaranteed. I think Levante does deserve a bit of a bump. Um, that's a big bump though. 16 million. I think that would be surprising, but it would be great for him. Um, I listen, this is my battle plan. It's, there's a little bit of emotion here, John. Uh, I love him. I've been with Levante on this ride since, since he came aboard during the Shiano Dominic, uh, era. So, uh, why not give him a little bit of a bump? Uh, because I think he's been undervalued, underappreciated, underpaid, really. You look at, at a guy like Bobby Wagner, who I think he's in the same caliber of, yeah. You know, Wagner's had an average of $18 million, um, you know, over his run uh, since his his last deal. And he's the highest paid uh, linebacker. So I put him as the third highest paid linebacker. 
Uh, again, I think the Buccaneers probably come under that. I'm not saying this is what the Buccaneers would do. This is what I would do. Um, I added a couple of new free agents. James White, the running back, I think that goes without saying. There should be some interest there from the Buccaneers. I get him at two years, $3.5 million average. I think he made $4 million last year for the Patriots. So he comes here to win a ring, another one, and, and have a chance to play with Brady and Gronk again. And then a couple of, of other free agents that I added, uh, again, um, p- pulling the emotional heartstrings here, John, DeMar Dotson, the, the veteran right tackle who got mm-hmm. – you know, got got uh, replaced by Tristan Wirfs, yep. wasn't re-signed in free agency. I understand the move. Tristan Wirfs is the right call. But I'm going to bring Dot back because I think at this stage, he's just oh, as good as Josh Wells in terms of, of like, even his PFF grade. Mm-hmm. He, he had 451 snaps last year for the Broncos. PFF had him at, at 70.8, 70 point uh, zero percent, uh, or not 0.0%, but zero grade. Uh, pass blocking and a 68 grade run blocking. So in limited snaps, I thought he played pretty well at, at Denver pro football focus backed me up on that. So I bring him in and I get rid of jo- of uh, Joe Haig and Josh Wells. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is Brashard Perriman. I replaced Antonio Brown with Brashard Perriman. And the reason why is, is I don't trust Antonio Brown. Yeah. I just don't. I, I think yep. when you look at, at, uh, at Brown, I think they were living on borrowed time. He was under his best behavior for half a season. He won a Super Bowl ring. He served his purpose. I don't trust him with guaranteed money. I don't trust him for a full year. And Brashad Perriman is a player that signed a, a one-year, $6 million deal with the Jets. He cashed in after a, a solid ending to the 2019 season. He already knows Bruce Arians' offense. And really, in, in limited uh, amount of games at the end of the season, John. He had three 100-yard games to end the 2019 season when Mike mm-hmm. Evans and Chris Godwin were out and Scotty Miller was out. In that year, he caught 36 passes, 645 yards, 17.9-yard average, and six touchdowns in that lone year in Tampa Bay in 14 games. In 12 games last year, only 30 catches, 505 yards, a 17-yard average, and three touchdowns. But what I do like about Brashard Perriman, he knows the scheme. He's got size, 6'2", 215. He's young, and th- the guy can fly. He is a vertical mm-hmm. uh, element to this this uh, passing game that Antonio Brown isn't. And if if I you know if I want to replace him uh, with with somebody that, that knows the the offense and I can get him on a cheaper one year three million dollar deal, why not? Hmm. Oh, bring him back, Rashad Perryman. I don't know, Scott. I I have mixed feelings about that and what he brings to the table, but. It's not surprising at the same time to see them try to go get another vertical threat. And that's, we've talked about it before when they scout and evaluate wide receivers, it is predominantly built on and predicated on going guys who can get verticals, size, speed, those kinds of things at the position. He certainly fits that bill. So he definitely is the prototype of a player that they would go after different prototype than, than a B. So what happens with a B then? So do you think that another team is going to get more aggressive than the bucks? Or do you think the bucks are just going to say, you know what, you know, but uh, we got a baby clean, you know, the AB situation clean. We're going to let it rot now. We're not going to offer him really. We're going to wait to see what everybody else does. And if nobody else says anything comes back, then we'll see. But do you think that's how they'll approach it? I think that's the smart play. I really don't have any type of insight into what the Bucks are going to be doing when it comes to Antonio Brown. Right. Uh, haven't heard anything on that front yet. But I, I believe that, that, um, uh, I, 
listen, I, I don't think it makes sense to do anything but let him hit the free agent market and, and see what that number is. Otherwise, you're, you're kind of bidding against yourself. Um, I, I, don't I mean, think- Seattle is looking for a spark for sure, and they are looking for a number three guy, and they were interested before, and Russell Wilson is clearly upset. So if you're trying to appease yeah. Russell Wilson, I mean, that could be a heck of a way to get a guy and, and have him pay. Yeah. Bye-bye, so- Raymond does, Scott doesn't even want him. I don't trust him. Or Raymond asked, him. "What's the number you're okay with to bring him back?" If I'm the general manager, the number is zero. I, I don't bring him back. Yeah, uh, he served his purpose. He provided the the the, uh, the insurance policy, if you will. I, I just don't. I don't bring him back. Um, yeah. I, it's just the, the the past, the history. You know, we know some things, John, that we're not going to share right now. But don't trust him. Yeah, just hard to again. You're guaranteed money if you're putting that on the line. Now the price tag matters. I'm not saying what I'll do. I don't. You'll find that out on Wednesday. But the price tag matters. But if if you're guaranteeing him any significant amount of money between now and next season, that's where it gets scary for me. So it would really depend on the type of deal as to whether I'd be comfortable not doing it. Obviously, from a moral perspective, I've already addressed that. Uh, where I feel like uh, that should come down. Okay, so you gave Chris Godwin the franchise tag. Yep. You don't necessarily get into it, but I'll just ask you to as an add-on: Do you think a long-term deal is possible for Godwin between now and the season, or do you think he likely plays on the tag? I think he plays on the tag, and I think that's a smart play by the Buccaneers. It's same thing with with Shaq Barrett. You know, show me that you're a thousand-yard receiver, Chris Godwin, and and maybe if he was healthy all of last year, he gets there. But but he didn't. I mean, the numbers are what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chris Godwin's a great player. I think the organization loves him. But before you hand over, before you make him the highest paid wide receiver in Tampa Bay, because that's what he's going to be. If he hits the market, the wide receiver market's crazy. This is a passing league. He's going to get more than Mike Evans. I think the smart play, and I think this is what the Bucks are doing, is they're saving the money by putting the franchise tag on Chris Godwin to keep him at around $16 million. What that does, too, is it also keeps him under Mike Evans, who's making an average of $16.5 million. So that that hierarchy, that that pay level hierarchy for the wide receiver position, still has Mike Evans as the top dog. It's almost like one A and one B if you're looking at it that way. And let's face it, Mike Evans had a better year last year. He got over a thousand yards. He played through injuries, didn't miss a game, and had 13 touchdown catches, which mm-hmm. broke his own single season record. And I think just the body of work, Mike Evans, I can say, is a future Hall of Famer. I can't say that about Chris Godwin. And Mike Evans has been to three Pro Bowls. Godwin's been to one. Uh, Mike Evans has rewritten the Bucks' wide receiver and receiving yards record book, and Chris Godwin hasn't. So in my opinion, in order for Chris Godwin to get paid more than Mike Evans and me feel good about it if I'm the Buccaneers, i got to see more from Chris Godwin rather than just the one 2019 season where he had 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns and was the Bucks' leading receiver that year. Yeah, and that's fine. it is. Prove right. it this year, and then we'll pay you more than Mike. But until then, Mike's the top dog. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to see anything more from him. But I think if you're honestly, if you're Chris Godwin, you might behoove you to play on the tag. Even though I know players don't want to do that, you want that long term security. And sure, if the Bucks came out and was like, let's get a twenty million dollar a year deal done, maybe you would jump at that right now. But right. I just think you have a crazy opportunity. I mean, no yeah, question, he would have been, you know, he would have been the leading receiver this past season if he'd stayed healthy. I think he is a really good chance to do that again next season. Um, you know, he's very different than Mike Evans again, uh, but I think it's it's. I think Godwin has to know too. If they offer me a great deal, I'll take it. But yeah. 
if I don't take it, I'm going to play hardball because I know that this right. could be a great season for me and I can hit the market plenty, you know, young as a top, clear top guy, not in a crowded offseason, a wide receiver, both in the draft and free agency when the cap is back up and I could really make bank. He has a chance to really position himself well. For that reason, I think it's going to be hard for them to come to terms yeah. on an agreement uh, long term. Um, one of the guys that you had coming back, Scott, and not cutting was Cam Braid. I know Mark Cook yeah. was probably very happy to see this. Do you yeah. have Cambray coming back? How's that work? Well, I, I do just just because there, there's there's so much that the Bucks can do this year. We've already talked about Brady. How that's going to be the first domino to fall. They're going to extend Brady, and and then that's going to create some cap room. Then you're going to see the Bucks go to Mike Evans, Ali Marpet, to restructure their deals. Not giving pay cuts, but to move money from this year into previous years, or I'm sorry, uh, subsequent years next year and the year after too help create some more cap room this year. So Mike Greenberg, the Bucks capologist, the the uh, salary cap wizard, as I call him, he he doesn't like to just clear a whole bunch of cap room and then sign players. He likes to to do a deal, create room, and then exhaust that amount of free room and then do another deal, another extension or restructure, whatever. So you're going to kind of see this being piecemealed through the offseason. Uh, so in other words, he cuts as he goes, or right? he creates as he goes in terms of that. I think Cam Brait last year took a – a two million dollar pay cut down to six, I believe it was six point two five million, uh, down to four point two five million, and I think this year is supposed to make six and a half. So I have him taking a three million dollar pay cut rather than a two to stick around because OJ Howard will be back healthy from that Achilles tendon injury in his fifth year option. I think Gronk will be resigned, so that makes Cam Brate number the number three tight end on the pecking order, and with them being in a, a cap crunched year. A three million dollar pay cut down to three and a half million. Could Cam go out there and get more money, John, on the open market? Yes. But will he this year? <laughs> will he? I don't know. He year? I even this year, I think. Okay. A, I don't know. There just is such a there's just such a need, and there just aren't very many good tight ends. I think he'd still get more money. I don't mean break the bank, but more money. But again, it's relative. Right. You know, you're his age already. You've already made more than you probably thought you were gonna make in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, at what you're, point you're does that matter? Married, you just bought a house here in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. So you have some roots here. So uh, it, that, that's something that, that the team and Cam would have to work out. But I don't believe Cam is going to stick around in in uh, you know at the full uh, no. value of his contract. He's going to have to either take a pay cut or or be released. I have him sticking around with the pay cut this year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be one of the two things for sure. Uh, because use the franchise tag on Godwin. Shaq coming back. Levante's coming back. Ryan Suckup getting a three-year, $12 million deal. You're not worried about kicker age, huh? Absolutely not. Uh, no. th- this guy's an absolute stud. Uh, I've seen enough bad kicking uh, in, in Tampa Bay to last me a lifetime. This is year 26 for me covering the Buccaneers. And uh, this this last decade before Ryan Suckup got here has just been abysmal. I mean, Jason Light, I feel for the guy. He has tried to... He's drafted two kickers. He's traded for a kicker. He's signed two uh, big-name free agent guys and Nick Folk and Chandler Cantonzero, then had to cut them, and then found two guys as as replacements in season and Cairo Santos and Pat Murray. So he has, he has looked under every stone trying to find a guy. He finally did and suck up, keep him around. I think kickers, uh, even into their 30s, we, we've seen some, some kickers kick uh, close to 40 years old. I think that he's worth $4 million a year, and I think he's worth uh, you know, a multi-year extension. 
Now you have Rob Gronkowski and Indomitian Sue coming back. Gronk on a two-year deal, which I think is likely. Actually, the more I think yeah. about, it, especially with Brady seeming like a contact uh, extension is imminent, I bet Brad- Gronk will will try to make a two-year deal happen as well. Yeah, and Indomitian Sue a one-year million dollar deal, so eight million dollars a year rate for both of them. Wasn't Sue at eight this past yes. season? So you don't have his hit going down at all. You think he's back at eight? I think he's back at eight. I think I think he he deserves eight. I think he played better this past year than he did the year before, and yeah. and again I think there's going to be enough cap room to go around. Um, I think Mike Greenberg's going to need a vacation after next week. <laughs> um, there's no question there, but there is My enough goodness. room. And John, you had on uh, the the cap experts um, talking mm-hmm. about how the Buccaneers can can just shove room. Uh, or shove salaries really, really to create room into 2022 and 2023 mm-hmm. where the Buccaneers, I think they have seven players under contract in 2023 and maybe like 16 in 2022. So th- they just don't have a lot of, of cap room obligations and, and the, the cap will continue to rise. You will get a new TV deal. Nobody knows what that cap number is going to be in 2022, but it's not going to be 180 or 185 million. It's going to go back up. Is it going to be at 198 again? Is it going to be north of 200? We'll have to see. But there's enough cap room to go around and enough people willing to do some extensions. I think maybe after you get to Brady and Marpet and Evans, if you still need some cap room, you look at tacking another year onto Ryan Jensen's deal. Uh, or you look at, at doing the same for Donovan Smith. Donovan might not want to do that. He might want to hit free agency and really cash in. But maybe Ryan Jensen at age 30 is a player you tack on another year or two. And you go ahead and uh, uh, and then take that ten million dollars that he's set to earn this year, knock it down to six. It's guaranteed, so he's he's not going to be be losing out on that. But you guarantee uh, a portion of 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 those ex- extended years, so he's not missing out on any money. He's not taking a pay cut, but but his his salary cap's lowered this year. So you know what can four million do? What can get you Ryan Suckup back, which is the best kicker you know in franchise history in terms of a single season. So that that's the importance of making all these these uh, dollars count. Some depth moves. You have Blaine Gower coming back for one year, $2 million, and which would be a bump for him, I think. And then Ross Cockrell uh, on a one-year, $1.1 million deal. And Raheem Nunes-Rocha is back as well. Anthony O'Claire, Andrew Adams, uh, Kevin Minter, some of those guys all coming back. What makes you – I guess if you're the Bucks and you're looking at those guys as just depth purposes, let's try and keep continuity there as much as possible. It, that's really what it is. It's not. It's not that I uh, love Ryan Griffin or love Blaine Gabbard, but the thing is, is what you have is you have continuity. Those two guys know the playbook. They've been yeah. here for the last two years. So when Brady is is resting that knee and he takes the entire OTAs and mini camps off, you're going to have uh, no continuity issues. You you already have two quarterbacks that know the system that have relationships and chemistry with these wide receivers, running backs, with the offensive line, with the tight ends. They can throw the ball. So your offense is not going to miss a beat. And I think that's important if you're looking to repeat. We know Brady's already mastered this offense. I mean, he's got 40 touchdowns through the air and three on the ground. That's 43 touchdowns at age 43 in his first year without any offseason. So, John, it just makes sense that if you're going to, to ramp up for another run at the Super Bowl, uh, why not try to get better in the offseason with guys that know the system? So I'm not saying I've necessarily bought into Blaine Gabbert, the quarterback of the future, although I can see some of the logic there. I'd love to to see him compete for the job rather than anoint him. 
as the heir apparent to, to Tom Brady. I don't want to see I that can... even. <laughs> well, I don't even I, want to see okay. that stuff. <laughs> but, but, you, but you understand my reason. I'm back as a backup there for sure. Yeah, It's really yeah, for the offseason and, and yeah. for knowing this offense. Right. No, I completely agree with that. I want him back as a backup. No problem there. You know, my mind of Brady's hurt. I don't know what this team does anyway. So, um, yeah. you know, I think that they're going to have to find other ways to win regardless. So I don't know that they could have not many teams have a plan B, a quarterback that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we can yeah. we can win all these games for that. So Leonard Fournette's not back. What about Lombardi Lenny, Scott? Lombardi Lenny doesn't return to the box. What's the thought process there? Well, it, we've talked you know, about this one, I guess. But. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to have fantasy football where everybody comes back, right? So I, I did let AB go, and I let you know a couple of players go. Ryan Smith, longtime Buccaneer special teams ace, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Haig, Josh Wells, guys that were making a couple million dollars a year. Uh, let them go, and and I'm going to supplement those spots through the draft. And and when it comes to Leonard Fournette, the same thing. Um, I think there's this is a really good running back class. I have them signing James White almost to kind of – Swap out, uh, even though you look at the salary that that Ryan, um, or, or I should say that, that James White's getting three and a half million, and you add LaShawn McCoy's salary, which was just over a million as the league veteran minimum, and what Leonard Fournette got last year, which is two and a half million. So really, from a financial standpoint, James White is going to make what those two guys made. But that's only one guy on the roster spot replacing two. Well, the other guy is going to come in the draft. Should we talk about the draft now? Yeah, let's talk about the draft because you basically double – you hit the running back position, boom, boom, James White and Javante Williams then with your first draft yeah. pick for the Bucks. But you had the Bucks trading back from the first round to exactly. back into the second round, getting a couple more picks, and then being able to give themselves maybe some draft flexibility to go get the guys they want. Yeah, the, I think that, that in this scenario, the reasoning I had with trading back a couple spots uh, from 32 to 34 with the Jets – is the Jets might want to come up into the first round right ahead of Jacksonville and grab uh, uh, Liam Eichenberg from North Notre Dame, the tackle. The, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, that was the, the the fictional scenario I created of wanting to jump in front of Jacksonville if you're the Jets. And in doing so, the, the Buccaneers gave up their fourth-round pick and their first-round pick and both of their sevens in exchange for the Jets' second-round pick and both of their thirds. So in this scenario, you look at it, uh, North Carolina running back Javante Williams with the Jets pick at the top of the second round, or I should right. say second pick in the second round. And then the Buccaneers, they land a little bit of a surprise with their own pick. Alabama center Landon Dickerson, who I love. This guy. Great pick. Yeah, I mean, it's the health concerns that'll have him there. If it wasn't for the health concerns, he'd probably be a top 20 pick. Yes, you're exactly right. But this is this is the second ACL Terry's had. You look at, mm-hmm. at, uh, at, at, at the – uh, the time he spent at Florida State, he had an, an ACL injury there, and and then he also had the ACL tear in the uh, the the Georgia game, the SEC championship game. So so that right there, that's that's a little bit of of uh, of concern because he's not going to be ready to play until probably later this year. ACL tear is six to twelve months, depending on severity, uh, but he's not going to be counted on in training camp. And listen, they already have Ryan Jensen. What you're doing is you're drafting the heir apparent to Ryan Jensen and a guy that might be able to compete with Alex Kappa for the right guard spot. So he's a guy that I think could play guard or center, so he could either replace Kappa or be the, the long-term uh, replacement for Jensen. Jensen is in the final year of his contract. I'm not saying that extending him is, is, a, is a guarantee. So 
this could be Ryan Jensen's last year in Tampa. We'll see. But that's the thinking there. It's just, you know, building through the trenches, keeping that right. offensive line stocked up there. And remember, they went through um, uh, A.Q. Shipley, right? They, they had A.Q. Mm-hmm. Shipley, uh, and, and they had to end up signing Earl Watford, right, because they needed a backup center. So that is kind of a position of need from a depth standpoint. In the third round, with, with these Jets picks, what I've done is is uh, I've added North Carolina State defensive tackle Aleem McNeil. The interesting thing about Aleem McNeil is this guy is 6'2", 320 pounds. He's got an NFL-ready body. He is built like Andamika Sue. Mm-hmm. He is a run-stuffing defensive tackle that does have some pass rush ability. He's got a great bull rush, as you would expect, being somebody that's built so massively like that. The thing about McNeil is, is he played three technique as a junior and had – or I should say in 2019, and he had five and a half sacks. This past year, he played mostly nose tackle and had one sack. But he did have a hell of a pick six. This is a yeah. guy that played running back in high school like Vita Vea. So I think stopping the run is a huge emphasis for the Buccaneers in this Todd Bowles defense. Aleem McNeil would be a great heir apparent to Indomitian Sue. And he can also play backup nose tackle on a pinch in case something happens to Vita Vea because he's got experience at both spots. I stayed in, in the Tar Heel State, John, and mm-hmm. I grabbed the Tar Heel, another one, in North Carolina inside linebacker Chaz Surratt in the third round. Surratt's interesting because he started off as the North Carolina quarterback, starting quarterback as a freshman. Right. He was a five-star quarterback coming out of high school and just didn't really translate to the college game and got benched his sophomore year. His junior year, the kid's such a good athlete, they said, do you want to try to play some some defense? They said, how about playing safety? And Chas said, guys, I played linebacker in high school. I want to play linebacker. So they put him at linebacker, and this guy had uh, a really sensational junior season. He is still learning how to play defense, uh, very much like how Vita Vea is still learning to play Defensive tackle because he played high school uh, running back. But in 2019, 115 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, two pass breakups, one pick, a forced fumble, fumble recovery. Production was similar last year in 11 games, a shorter season for North Carolina, 91 stops, seven and a half tackles, six sacks, three pass breakups, a pick, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. What does that tell me, John, from looking at the stat sheet? It tells me he's a downhill linebacker. Just mm-hmm. like what the film says, this is a Todd Bowles type of, of linebacker. He's fast. He attacks the line of scrimmage. He can play in coverage. He does have some pass breakup ability. He has a couple picks in his career, but he's a work in progress. But you know what, John? He's a great heir apparent to Levante David. This guy could be a special team star right away, and he can team with Kevin Minter to provide depth at the inside linebacker position. I stay at linebacker level for – the, the other third-round pick, this is the Bucks' original third-round pick, but this is an outside linebacker. This is an edge rusher, Northern Iowa's defensive end. Ellerson Smith will be a stand-up outside linebacker, the eventual replacement to Jason Pierre-Paul. John, like you, have not sold on, on Anthony Nelson's pass rush ability. Haven't no. seen enough of it. Yeah. This is a guy that played really well in the Senior Bowl game, showed well after missing the entire 2020 season because Northern Iowa didn't play football like a lot of the small schools, didn't have a football season. But in 2019, this six foot six, 262-pound Jason Taylor clone uh, is what he looks like when I see him out there on film. Not, not quite the player yet. 
It's a work in progress. But what I did see was 63 tackles. I saw 21 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks, five force fumbles, four pass breakups, two block kicks as a junior. And then the year before that, 10 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks and a forced fumble. John, what's the old adage? If you're from a small school, you better dominate, right? Yes. That's what this guy did. He dominated at that level, got invited to the Senior Bowl, missed all of last year, but showed enough at the Senior Bowl. Was very active. So I, I think this guy is is a pretty solid um, prospect to put in the hopper and develop behind Shaq Barrett and, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, he's definitely developmental, but he did show some things to the senior wolf for sure. And you know, there might be some upside there. I'm excited to get to his tape eventually. I said it the other day, Scott, but you have to watch like 20 edge guys to feel like you covered all the guys that could be drafted days right. one through three. And that might be underselling it. I mean, I don't think it's even a great edge class. I only have one first round grade. I doubt I'm going to have any more looking at the guys I have left to scout. But they're in date round two to three to four, like that range in terms of grade. And then remember round four guys that are probably going to get put. I know a couple guys that have grade in round four are going to get pushed up into the top 100 because of the value of the position. I'm lower on them the most. And so I know they're going to go higher. I mean, it's going to be, it wouldn't be surprising to me if there's like 15 edge rushers drafted in that range. And it could be even more than that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I think too, it's like th this guy is a really good athlete. And, and, and I, I think that, that you look at at the traits, I think he's got the traits. And the reason why I have him going here at, at the end of the third round, keep in mind, is because the Bucks don't have a fourth round pick. So yeah. you know, almost like Keyshawn Vaughn, is he worth taking that high? Probably not. But he's probably not there by the time the Bucks pick in the fifth round. And John, that might be the case with, with the Eastern Carolina's offensive tackle, Deontay Smith. And as Ren uh, points out, I love me the Carolina kids. I was going to say this. <laughs> it just happened to work out that way. It wasn't planned. Uh, I have no allegiances to the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, I was born in Virginia, so I, I wasn't. But now even... that you've seen Javante Williams play, you might moving forward. <laughs> exactly. The thing about Deontay Smith is is really interesting. This is a guy six foot five, two hundred and seventy four pounds, two hundred and seventy four pounds yeah. at left. He looked at he looked at it the senior boy. He's lean. Yeah, but he actually. Got up to about 291 at the Senior Bowl. Still right. looked lean. But you know what? Yeah. I saw a guy named DeMar Dotson stroll into one Buccaneer place at about 260 pounds after playing basketball at Southern Miss and eventually put on some weight, hit the weight room, and, and get up past 300 pounds to about 310, 315 pounds. Now, he's taller at 6'9", but he was even leaner back then. So I think the thing about Deontay Smith that's interesting is, is he came back for his senior year, got hurt in the season opener against UCF and then didn't play for the rest of the season. So he's a bit of a mystery. Then he goes to the senior bowl and he injures his thumb on the first practice. But that first practice, John, he was dominant. He was absolutely dominant and he's got some tools. He's got some traits. So I, I just right. think that, that he's, he's an interesting player that, that, uh, that, that is a developmental tackle. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be there in the fifth round. He probably goes a little bit higher just due to the traits drafting. What wouldn't surprise me if he's a top 100 pick. I mean, I that's just how it goes to tackle, man. It's yeah. crazy. And not to speak bad of Deontay Smith at all. I haven't really studied his tape yet. Um, but, I mean, you look at guys over the past years who's gone that high at a tackle, like Brandon Parker and LaRaven Clark and some of these guys who just yeah. – those guys had terrible tape, and they went right. high. Again, who's the Alabama James, State kid? Uh, uh, Tyus Howard? Tyus Howard was a first-rounder. Yeah. And he's actually been okay. I, I mean, not good, yeah. but 
you know, it j- again, it just like yeah. traits just like overwhelm teams to tackle. They just right. fall in love with them. And so and the thing is, we'll is see what ends up happening. Developmental tackle. He's not ready to play this year. Not at 291 pounds. There's no way. Right. But yeah. the thing is, is, is he could he could learn behind Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith, Demar Dotson, <laughs> the guy that I that I brought yeah. back for for um you know just because I love Demar as, as a as a person and uh, yeah. you know and as a player uh, in his prime. But um but he he's a guy that, that can that can at least when I'm thinking could step in get some practical game experience playing that Joe Haig tight end. You put him in mm-hmm. for for six to twelve snaps uh, as that third tight end essentially. Um, you know, on the field, and uh, and that's that's how you work him into the mix. That's my yeah my thinking. So yeah, get to a couple questions here. Uh, some people uh, asked about comps for Javante Williams. I did not realize this. Jack Parrott says PFF has Javante Williams comp as Lamar Miller. Oh my goodness, I think that's horrible. I yeah. I love Mike Renner. Like that is my boy. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know if that was his comp or somebody else's. Lamar Miller to me was like this guy who just, he didn't break tackles at all. I was always frustrated with Lamar Miller about that. Javante yeah. Williams like the best tackle breaker of college football that I've seen in years. I don't think he's Lamar Miller. I disagree yeah, with that no. one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm not he sure who I'd say. Kareem I mean, Hunt. He reminds yeah, Kareem me. Hunt is the one we talked about. Right, right. Um, I like the Kareem Hunt thing. Kareem Hunt was a better pass catcher um, coming out. I mean, Javante is yeah. good at that too. You know, so I don't know whether there'll be some difference uh, in terms of that. Again, I. I've been on the record saying Kareem Hunt might be the better back in Cleveland out of the yeah. two, and I think Nick Chubb's a beast. But I mean, I Kareem Hunt is that good. It's just the off the field stuff uh, has kind of derailed his career. And then he resigns with the. He's about to get out of. He resigns for dirt cheap with the Browns for a couple more years rather than hitting the market and yep. being highly paid. I think. But um, so yeah, I think Javante Williams could be. That's Kareem Hunt's a good one for him. Might be the Bill Byers says might be the best running back in this draft next to Najee Harris. Don't forget about my guy Travis Etienne, man. That's yep. a that's a special type athlete at the running back position for sure. Jack wants to know why is Braden Christensen fall, falling as a prospect? Fantastic tape, just lack of competition. We did say we would talk some O-line today uh, on the show for sure. Uh, Braden Christensen, I don't know if he's falling. I don't know that he's falling as a prospect. I wasn't where his stock was higher than day two anyway. But I know Brandon Thorne really likes Brady Christensen, so I am, I'm looking forward to – to checking out his tape some for sure. Um, you know, I haven't seen enough to really be able to comment on him just yet. Um, Long lost Glazer wants to know about Jalen Mayfield, uh, who's built like Tristan Wirfs and fond of the Big Ten O-line and no reason to be my heart just wants what it wants. Uh, no, I think Jalen Mayfield is interesting, but he's very developmental. You know, Brandon and I actually both have watched him a little bit. And whenever we, did, we watch, Brandon's texting me like, dude, I don't get the hype. And one of the guys he didn't get the hype was about Mayfield. And I, so I put it in, and Brandon and I will disagree. Uh, this not this year's much. We've been on the same page about this, year, but in past drafts we always talk O lemon, and we've been on some different planes before with with certain prospects. But both of us found concerns with Jalen Mayfield's game. I mean, he lets guys again for he's a bruiser. He's physical. He's aggressive. There's a lot of talent there. I reminded me honestly of Jack Conklin. He was coming out where the Titans gave him a ton of help in pass protection early on. His PFF grades and everything I looked look fine, but he was in a very – like his his role was like run blocker um, in their specific scheme, and that was kind of it for Jack Conklin. You know, he, yeah. he got a lot of help in pass protection. I think he was one of the most helped tackles in the league. That's really the path with Mayfield to me because right now in pass protection, there's too much inconsistency. Guys can get in his outside edge. I've seen guys run through his inside shoulder. He's mistiming with his hands a good bit. 
So he's raw, but he's very talented. There's obviously a lot of potential there. Um, so he's one that uh, – I mean, if the team gets him, Scott, yeah. he, could be, he could be a nice insurance policy to step in once he's developed yeah. a little more for a starter. Well, John, you're talking about insurance policies. And, and anytime I hear the, the term insurance, I always think about our good friends at Briar Greaves. Oh. You can go to the website, John, briargreavesinsurance.com. And uh, you're going to find out that whether it's commercial property, homeowners insurance, whether it's mm -hmm. life insurance, whether it's auto insurance or boat insurance, there's only one place to turn. That's briargreavesinsurance.com. Check them out on the website. Um, they, they've got a great looking website. It, it looks fantastic. It looks like it's it's one of the, the big national insurance companies. It's that good. But the best thing about it is you're going to get the, the down home uh, personal attention. Uh, right. There have been times, John, where I have emailed Sam or Briar and they literally have gotten back to me within minutes. And right. that doesn't happen when you call those 1-800 numbers and get put on hold. Uh, if Briar grieves, if they're not there to answer your call, shoot them a quick email and they'll be uh, get back to you right away. Uh, I have them as my personal uh, insurance agent for my home. I, I recommend you give them a call and and have them shop your quote around. That's 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. They might be able to save you money. You might be paying too much for insurance. You might be uninsured or overinsured. Give them a, a chance to review your policy and they'll find ways to save you some money. BriarGreavesInsurance.com. Proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast. Good stuff there. You know, I think that when I'm looking at this offseason, Scott, I'm thinking about offensive line and, and drafting some of those positions for this year as depth, as insurance policies. And then next year, asking people to step in the starting lineup, I think a lot about who is going to not be here after this season. You know, we right now, three of their five starters slated to be free agents after the 2021 season, left tackle Donovan Smith, center Ryan Jensen, right guard Alex Kappa. Most likely out of those guys, I mean, I would think you, Alex Kappa is not a player that, uh, as much as I like him, and I think he could go on and have an, He had a great year this past year. I mean, he was really good this past year, really good. I mean, but yes. again, you can only sign so many offensive linemen. Eventually, you have to let somebody go and fill that spot again. To me, given his age and that he'll hit the market, hopefully after another good year, pass protection for Brady usually goes that way. It looks pretty good at least. And, right. and it was good for him, um, you know, playing extra Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen. I bet he hits the market. I bet he's a, he's a coveted guard and I bet he goes and makes a lot of money and good for him because that guy works his tail off. But I'm thinking that's the spot where I really feel like if you're the box, you might have to replace Donovan Smith's another one, because again, highly paid. You, you can't pay all those guys. And it, it might be Alex Kappa, Donovan Smith and Carlton Davis up to be paid in the same offseason, you know, Bucks would like to, to send them, uh, how that works. And we talked about what's the cap going to be next season. What's it going to go up to in 2023? Where do teams feel like the, the things are at at that point? There'll be a lot to determine, but I would just guess Kappa is one that they're not going to, going to try and spend the money on at that point. In time. So then I start thinking about interior O-line options, right? And could guard be a possibility for this team and, and where are kind of some of the, the most talented players in the class at that position at the end of the first round, um, at the end of the second round, and even into the third round. You know I love Quinn Miners. I've talked about him a lot, Wisconsin Whitewater, dude. I think that that's a mid-round pick that has the bucks written all over it. The question yeah. is, will somebody get extra twitch? I mean, remember, this is a D3 guy who we've just that's seen right. play at the Senior Bowl. That's it for since 2019. So, 
again, like his 2019 team tape might be great, but we're talking about a D3 guy that didn't play in 2020. Like there's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's room for wondering John, where he'll get drafted. You, but you look at minors, you have to, to have to remember it's like he's Wisconsin Whitewater Center. They actually signed to Wisconsin Whitewater Center two years ago. I forget his name, but they had him in camp. So that's a school that's obviously on the Bucks radar. Then you factor in the fact that that they've they've drafted from the senior bowl, Ali Marpet from Hobart College and Alex Kappa mm-hmm. from Humboldt State. So right. Jason Light likes those small school guys that have toughness, that that play with the chip on their shoulder. And that's exactly who Quinn Miners is. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing, when you go to his Twitter page, John, we've we've scouted it before and we've seen um, Ali Marpet videos, uh, some clips from Ali Marpet that he's retweeted as well as Ryan Jensen. So the, the, this is a player that already has the Buccaneers uh, on his radar. That's even before the Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it feels like a match made in heaven. You know, sometimes those things are too good to be true. We'll see. My Wednesday Bucks battle plan might I might address the issue, a little sneak peek. Oh, okay. David, David yeah. Moore from Grambling State is another guy that we've thrown out there at a great yeah. senior bowl, we top, physical, aggressive. Yeah. yeah, we can play center and guard. Uh, so again, those, that kind of versatility, I think it's going to be very valuable to them because the Bucs are a team right now with very little depth in terms of knowing. And you're saying what you're saying about Aaron Stinney not getting you know, uh, tendered. Uh, I don't know whether if, if they don't do, do go ahead and not tender him, as you said, then I think it's like, man, who are the options? Where are the depth options yeah. well, for this team? Well, it doesn't mean so, won't be back. It just means they don't want right. to pay him the $2 million. And, and, and that $2 million, John, that's that's for the minimum RFA. It's right. not for the, you know, for the, for the, the third round compensation RFA uh, tender that's just you know and if you want if you want to tender him an offer that's it I think mm-hmm. they, they let him hit free agency then they re-sign him back for probably half of that uh, right. and maybe on a one-year deal if you're if you're Aaron Stinney yeah you want the one-year deal so you can maybe get some playing time maybe you go in there and and compete with Alex Kappa and may the best man win and then you're a free agent at the same time Kappa is and maybe you get to cash in if you're Aaron Stinney and have a good year. Yeah, very much a possibility. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Bucks handle, you know, this is going to sound weird, but how they handle the interior defensive line position this offseason is going to go a long way toward determining whether they can get some of these offensive linemen other than the small school guys. The small school guys, we can say they'll probably be there around three or four. They tend to you know be in those that range of the board. But, like, where's a guy like Wyatt Davis going to come off the board right. from Ohio State or, you know, Lane Dickerson even? You know, you have him going end of the, fir- end of the second round to the Bucks in your mock. I mean, that's a possibility. It's also a possibility he gets drafted into the, the first round. We, Without mm-hmm. insight into medicals, that's where a lot of the concern is with him. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, again, the Bucks have been burned by guys, not necessarily that had a lot of injuries in college, but guys losing careers like Kendall Beckwith and, and, and Justin Evans. John. That hurts. And so uh, that could be something that they look to explore with Dickerson's situation. But it's going to go back to the defensive line. I mean, if they yeah. can't address the defensive line at all or they feel like they're going to the draft with holes there – you almost have to use one of your earlier picks or your two earlier picks to John, address it, Scott, because there isn't a lot of depth line. What's the over-under on Mark Cook taking Marvin Wilson from Florida State in the second round in tomorrow's oh Bucks battle plan? He's going to be there in the fourth in real life, I think. I hate to say it. <laughs> well, you can pretty much bet that Mark will find a way to put a seminal in his uh, – his own mock hey, Tamer and Terry or Terry Tamer Tamorian or whatever his name is, yeah. the wide receiver. From, he's one that honestly could be. I was thinking about that myself. Tamorian yeah. Terry from Florida State. I mean, he's 
he's what Bucks look for in terms of prototype at wide receiver, certainly yeah. in, in the latest. Notice I didn't have any Kansas State Wildcats in my my Bucks uh, mock draft. So I only can and promote my Wildcats when they're when they're deserving. And um, Wyatt um, is not. Uh, you know he's he's not worth uh, drafting. I don't think he he had a really bad senior bowl. So yeah, he is the sh- like twenty eight inch arms or something like that. I yeah. think right. He's a man without a position. Oh, so. Raptor arms guy. Yeah, it's a yeah. special teams position. That that's kind of what we're looking right there. But there are some good offensive linemen. I do think that uh, you know long lost Glazer asked about Josh Ball. It really feels like Josh Ball is kind of one of those guys that the off field the on field isn't good enough to offset the off field concerns going to all come down to, to interviews and stuff. Yeah, if he's there later in the draft, maybe a team rolls the dice on him. But it, that is kind of where I think his stock is going to end up settling on what happens off the field. But I don't think he's played at the level of a player that would be a top 100 pick anyway. So we were talking about a flyer yeah. with character concerns anyway. Speaking of plays, right? If, if I wanted to plays. I wanted to get like like one of the best plays in Buccaneer history, um, where would I go for that? Well, you would go to a place called playbookproducts.com. Scott, one of our newest partners on the podcast. We are very excited to have them sponsoring. Playbookproducts.com is awesome. They have some really neat stuff, mugs, posters, other stuff too. They have a set of coasters, by the way, Scott, that have the Bucks' greatest plays in them. So if you're watching the podcast right now, you can see uh, the the overlay that we put up kind of on the screen that has a picture of the mug and Rondé Barber's uh, pick six to seal the game against philadelphia and shut down the vet but they've got four plays in their coaster set so you're seeing the mug here the coaster sets they have brady to gronk in the super bowl scotty miller just before i think the second touchdown brady to gronk in the super bowl yeah scotty miller just before the half against green bay oh that's a great one gotta have that one great choice by them ronde barber's pick six Derek brooks pick six so they have all of this kind of, they also by the way have lightning stuff too for those who are enjoying the tampa bay lightning just dominating the nhl right now uh they uh, they have uh tampa bay lightning stanley cup play stanley cup plays including sorelli's overtime goal in the conference finals so they have a lot of that stuff too so if you're a dire bucks fan dire tampa bay fan honestly the college stuff too they have 200 plus teams including pro and college you want to get a gift for somebody who's uh, who's fans of another team um i mean there's so many options in there playbookproducts.com can't say enough good stuff about them they've got some great products check them out great for gifts uh great for yourself if you're looking to add to your bucks dan or you've got going on uh great to have some some unique buck oriented lightning oriented type gear uh they're able to provide that for you so pretty cool stuff from them uh, so, okay, Scott, we've talked about the draft offensive line a little bit. We will dive more into that at a later time. We've talked about your battle plan now a little bit to anticipate what's up the rest of the week with us. Okay, we've got the situation with Brady that's that's mounting. We'll see what happens there with the contract and the possible extension. Right now, Chris Godwin's set to be franchise tagged four p by 4 p.m., the franchise tag deadline, 4 p.m. on Tuesday. That deadline could get pushed back very well, may get pushed right. back uh, because they haven't come to an agreement yet on uh, the salary cap, the Players Association and the league because of TV deals and stuff like that. The, the Players Association wants to wait and figure that out. League probably does too, honestly. They know there's, you know, that. so it's both sides are trying to figure out the TV deals and then figure out. The, so we'll see what ends up happening with the start of free agency, with the, with the, with the franchise tag deadline. But right now it's still slated for 4 p.m. Uh, yeah. Tuesday. That's tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast live on Monday. So. And they've got to figure that out with Chris Godwin. And they've also got to figure out what they're going to do with Brady's contract. Those are the next two roadblocks. And then once those go down, Scott, 
that's when we might start to see the ripple effect, right? And we'll be covering that on the podcast as we have five episodes this week. We're going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to all the way through. Talk about each person's Bucks battle plan as they get published. So Mark's tomorrow, mine on Wednesday, Matt's on Thursday, Taylor's on Friday. Break them down, have that person on, talk about uh, the battle plans. And you, the fans, are going to get to tell us which battle plan you like the most by the end That's of the right. week. And, and that'll, yeah. be the, that'll be the poll question, by the way, uh, over right. on the site uh, for the week after this one. Who's battle plan? I always lose like? that because mine's not as fun as, as some others, you know. But what would be fun, I agree, Ren. Uh, they don't have at Playbook Products my blocked punt for the Shawnee Mission South Raiders. Um, they should. Uh, I, In case you don't know, I, I – I, I blocked a, a punt right here with this finger. This That's is right. all messed up. Uh, caught it right right at the tip, and uh, it was it was one of my two awesome plays in high school. I also got a sack. I got a sack and a block punt. That's pretty we much you know that. that. That's that's pretty much the highlights of of my uh, storied high school career at Shawnee Mission South in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, but yes, I would like to see that block punt on a playbook products. Uh, you have to send me the the contact information there, John. See if I can get a special right. order made. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> they need to send video and if you send them video we need to see it on the podcast i can with our There's new no technology that, my friend. we're talking oh. 1987 i think nobody yeah. had their flip phone out and take it a, no there were no yeah. phones the, the only phones know. that were around back then were attached to walls with long cords so. that's right i was born in 90 i i remember the the phone the corded phone days that was my my youth so i remember that a little bit so all right so we'll have a great week uh, slated out for you on the podcast and there is going to be i'm sure there will be at some point this week some type of news to cover the bucks i know everyone's been waiting what's going on the bucks have been out of the headlines for three weeks this is so weird <laughs> after the last year they'll be back in the headlines this week i promise so tell yeah. your friends tell your family tell everybody and uh you know send us some super chat donations send us all that kind of stuff uh give us the thumbs up all that kind of stuff give us the love and share the news about the peter report podcast 4 p.m eastern the rest of the week tuesday wednesday thursday and friday we'll be live so until then thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Out.